Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Now here's Joel Van Hoogen. The victory over Jericho came after the Jews had come across the Jordan River and the floodwaters had filled in behind them. They had no way out but to go where God led and do what God said. This is the only way to come to victory. You have to be closed off from retreat and closed in to God alone. You have moments like that in your life? Think about it. Where you can say, I have definitely closed off the world from myself and I've closed myself into God and His purposes. We're supposed to. I'm actually thinking about this. You know, there are times when I know that the Lord has impressed upon my heart and my wife's heart such a definitive leading of Him, so clear and so defined that there's no way that we should change or could change the plan of what we wanted to do because it's undeniably what God has called us to do. We can't deny it. I think I shared with you a couple weeks ago my story with Heber Agon, how I had met Heber Agon in Kalimantan, and I felt, you know, we need to help this man, but I'm not of a habit to giving support to indigenous pastors. I've been taught that that's not a good idea for missions and mission ministries to do, is to create some kind of financial connection. But I saw his faithfulness, and I saw what God was doing, and I felt compelled to help him, and I thought it might be of the Lord, but I wasn't sure. I spoke to other missionaries to ask about him and to see whether he was a man that was worthy of that support, and everybody confirmed that he was probably the most worthy person to support in terms of his passion for the gospel that they knew of in all of Kalimantan. But I still didn't know. I prayed about it and thought about it. I was flying home from Indonesia to the United States. Instead of landing in Boise, where I normally land, I landed in Portland because my family was going to the Oregon coast to spend a vacation on the Oregon coast. So my wife picked me up at the airport. I'm groggy from probably 30-some hours of travel. We drive out to the coast. That night, we have dinner in a cafeteria at this Christian conference center. There are eight seats at the table. Our family occupies seven. Nobody ever sits with us because if you see a young family with five kids, you don't sit with them if you're smart, right? And someone comes up to us, the hostess at this site, and says, you know, we have a guest that's visiting us just for night. Would you be willing to let him sit with you? I said, certainly. The man sits with us. We ask his name. His name's Barry. I began talking to Barry. What do you do, Barry? Barry's a pilot. Where do you fly? Well, I fly, do international flying. Well, what do you do when you're not flying? What's your hobby? Well, I like to travel internationally still. I kind of like to go visit friends that I've made. Oh, for example, where do you travel? Still haven't told him where I've been or what I do. Well, for example, I, I, you know, I, I like to travel to Indonesia. Oh, really? Would you have a friend in Indonesia? Understand, Indonesia is a big country, right? A big country. Lots of islands, lots of people. Well, yeah, he says, well, you know, I go to Kalimantan. Well, we're in Kalimantan. Well, there's a, a city called Balikpakpan, and I fly into Balikpakpan. Oh, do you stay in Balikpakpan? No, actually, I drive about three hours out from there. There's another city called Samarinda, and it's in Samarinda that I go. That's where I've just been. I say, you have a friend in Samarinda? He says, yes. Well, what's your friend's name? His name is Heberagon. Barry. I've just been with Heberagon. It's been in my heart to support him, but I haven't known it was God's leading and whether God was impressing it. Now I know. And the reason God has you sitting here with us, Barry, is you need to help us support him. And Barry's been supporting him through CPE ever since. That's incredible. God had closed me in and closed me off from a different option. 
In your life, there ought to be those things where you know so clearly that God has led you. And if you don't know it, it's because you haven't been following. Because if you follow Jesus and you live in surrendered obedience to him, he is going to take you in places where he gives you no other option. He closes off all your other options. And you have to follow him. Marriage is like that, by the way. Marriage, you close yourself off from every other option but that person that you're before as you make those vows and your faithfulness to him. You say, God, I've closed off any other life but the one with this mate. And I'm closed into you, God, that you would make me the mate that you want me to be in this marriage regardless. You close yourself off and you close yourself in. And If you're always giving yourself an out or a plan B or an alternative route to God's best and call upon your life, you'll never see the walls fall. That's the point. You've got to close yourself off from compromise, from any way back out. And you close yourself into God alone where God has to work. See if that's happened in your life. Look where those places are. If he's leading you, if you've balked, if you've hesitated, if you try to figure out what the different scenarios ought to be, God, I just want to follow you. Here's the second thing. There must be a consecration of faith. You go to Joshua chapter 5 and you'll see that after the people got across the Jordan River that they consecrated themselves to God. All the men of Israel circumcised themselves before they went into battle in the land. What they were doing was they were giving an ultimate expression of their covenant relationship to God. They were in essence saying, we turn from our flesh, we turn from our own self-confidence, we dedicate ourselves to your power and your work and your spirit. Circumcision for the Jews represented their complete identity with God's covenant to them, saying that he will be our God of the covenant, we will be his people of the covenant. We cut ourselves off from everything but Him. For us as Christians, this act of circumcision is spiritually akin to our death with Christ at the cross and the casting off of our old man to live in the resurrection life of the new man that Jesus Christ would give us. In other words, what has replaced circumcision for the believer in Christ is the new creation that we are in Christ. New people in Christ. This new creation comes to us by way of the cross of Jesus Christ. When we come to Lord Jesus Christ, we recognize that He died for our sins, and in faith, we die with Him. We give up on and we die to all that we were prior to that moment in time. I say when a person is born again, he not only gets a birth certificate, but he gets a death certificate. We die in Christ. And at the same time, when we come to that cross, we see that the cross is empty because Christ has risen again to be our life, and we, by faith, know that we live with Him. A new life, a different life than ever before. That's our spiritual circumcision. Now, the life of consecration is realized as we come before God and we live in that reality. We say things like, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The consecration of faith comes when we come to God and we say something like, God, I am all yours because of the cross. There, what I once was, was put to death and I'm dead. And what I am now is yours and of your making And I present myself to you to live by your grace and by your power bestowed in that work alone. 
You get to the end of the book of Galatians where Paul talks about the fact that we're saved by grace alone and not by the works of the law and our efforts of the flesh to achieve rightness with God through the works of the law. And at the very end of Galatians, Paul begins to tell us that we need to walk in the Spirit, we need to bear the fruit of the Spirit, and we actually need to sow good seeds to the Spirit so we can keep working in our life. And after having said all that, listen to what he says in Galatians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. It reminds us of the way of victory, the way of consecration, and the reality of spiritual circumcision, being new people in Christ. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world, completely consecrated to Him. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And that's what I am. And I'm going to live by way of the cross. I'm going to note as I come and consecrate myself to Christ that I'm dead to those things. And I live only for this by His power and His grace. You see it? You close yourself off from retreat. You close yourself into God alone. And that place you recognize and you renew the consecration that is ours to the cross alone of Jesus Christ. For God's purposes alone. And you give yourself for that. Interestingly, after this takes place, You'll read in Joshua chapter 5, that after this act of consecration, at the end of it, that Joshua encounters Jesus, the Lord of hosts, as the captain of the armies of the host of God, who's going to lead them into battle. And I'm just going to tell you that when you close yourself off from retreat, and you close yourself into God, and you renew yourself in the consecration that is ours in the cross of Jesus Christ, Christ makes himself known to you. He comes to you as your captain and your guide and your leader. To bring you into victory. That's what happened for Joshua. It's what would happen for us. Here's the third thing. There's the obedience of faith. What does God tell the Israel to do? I want you to march around Jericho for seven days. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Just march around it. Six days. One time a day for six days. Seven times on the last day. Then we're going to blow some horns. And when we're done blowing the horns, you shout. And I'm going to bring these walls down. Quite a command. Doesn't make sense. Some commentators say the reason that seven days are given is because it's the number of perfection. And so it's an expression of their confidence in the perfect work of God doing all things good. That actually sounds like they'd have to think too much to figure that one out. I don't think that's what it is. I think actually when God created the world, He created it in six days and on the seventh day He rested. And he established the cycle of life in those seven days. And basically what God is saying is, you obey me on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You obey me. You do what I say. Saying that I trust in you and I know that you're in control and I'm going to rely upon you. And then I'll give you the victory you need. But you obey. So we work and we work for him. And we rest. Here's the cycle of life. And we rest in him. We obey in the ongoing treading out of life through its difficulties and monotony and hardship and persistently obey, faithfully, carefully, obediently. We follow his instructions, mindful all the time as we do it that the fortresses of this age and this world are bigger than us, more powerful than our abilities. Mindful that the way that God calls us in obedience doesn't comport with what our minds say, I got a better strategy, God. We just obey 
as God has told us, trusting and believing that as we obey, having shut ourselves off from retreat, having closed ourselves in with God, having consecrated ourselves to God as we obey, God is working out a victory. And that those moments will come, and they do, when then God says to us, Shout, my victory is at hand. Say, God, I believe you. I trust in you. And in those moments, whether you know it or not, the walls are falling. And God is being glorified. God is being glorified. Let's bow our heads. I want that kind of life, oh God. I want. I want to be sealed in to you and your purposes and your designs alone. I want that simple exercise of daily, ongoing obedience that's expressive of a life of complete surrender to you and to your designs and a confidence that you alone will bring the answers and an unwillingness to do anything that is expression of me falling back upon the instincts of the flesh or adapting the philosophies or strategies of this world. Where I've not lived that way, where I can see in my life where I've not conducted that myself in that way, Spirit of God, make it known to me. Make it known to me with decisive conviction. Illuminate my heart and search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. I hope you sense that God had you listen in today for a reason, and may you answer that reason to Him in your prayers. Bread of Life Radio shares the messages heard in the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. Thanks for joining us. Until the next time, God bless you.